Here at the Scholarships Podcast, we believe that exposure is everything. That's why we've created a series of bonus episodes that we're calling The Playbook. Now, The Playbook is essentially going to be a series of pre-recorded conversations with uh, talented individuals that have pursued different career paths. So to be clear, this is a subset of our normal podcast, um, but we're going to release these from time to time as bonus episodes. And in most cases, they'll be pre-recorded. Um, the hope is that if you're talking to somebody and they say, yeah, I wish I knew a lawyer or I wish I knew a photographer or I wish I knew a doctor, um, that you can say, hey, actually, scholarships, talk to, talk to a doctor they gave step-by-step instructions on how to become a doctor. I think you should check it out. Yeah. And as I said on the earlier episode, you know, growing up for me, I never met an attorney until I was a junior in college. I never met a black attorney until I was a senior in college. In that time, if I would have met someone earlier that looked just like me, that practiced law, who knows what my uh, career would have been. Yeah. So with that, let's roll the tape. Welcome to the pod. We got a friend of the pod, um, another close friend that we've known for uh, 15, 15 plus years. Our good friend, Olufemi Okunlomo. Uh, I've known Femi actually a little longer than, than Tone, I think. Uh, just um, by way of background, my, my stepdad is from uh, Cameroon, West Africa, and uh, West Africa throws some great parties. And so growing up, uh, I would see Femi at, at these parties. And so that's kind of where we first uh, sort of met. Our families would always be at the same events. So uh, today we're going to really just dive into a conversation um, about Femi, his background, his educational journey, and just things that he's learned along the way. Um, so with that, I, you know, I really want Femi just to introduce himself and tell us a little bit about himself. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys uh, ultimately inviting me to the cast. Um you guys have been doing a lot of good work in terms of just being able to network with folks um, and just telling a story, uh, being able to convey uh, different paths um, and also just talk about, you know, common struggles, common themes in which uh, a lot of us are able to ultimately uh, relate to. So um, I appreciate that first and foremost. My name is Olufemi Okunlomo. Um, that is a Nigerian name from what is the Yoruba tribe. Um, my father is Nigerian and my mother is from Barbados. Um, and from that, uh, I am a first generation uh, American, uh, which for those who do not know what that means, ultimately means I am the first person um, in my family or in my immediate family that was born here in America. As it relates to my educational journey and, and kind of my background, um, I grew up on the north side of Milwaukee, funny enough. Me and Tone found out, uh, you know, we grew up uh, blocks away from each other, maybe, you know, three or four blocks away from yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, so when I met Tone, you know, I, I instantly gravitated towards him because uh, having that, you know, relationship or commonality between us um, was a breath, not, not only a breath of fresh air, but, you know, we knew a lot of the same people um, uh, from the neighborhood. Um, so I think that just having that, um, commonality between us, you know, I think that Tone was a, a good person um, to not only just befriend, but also just be able to relate to and, and kind of bounce different ideas and, and things off of. Um, and Larry, you know, obviously, you know, in that West African community, it's a tight-knit community in Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, I appreciate uh, your your uh, 
your your knowledge and the, the commonalities that we share too. Can you talk about your upbringing in Milwaukee on the north side and just what it was like, you know, because I know how close you're, you are with your mom and just talk about that relationship and how she kind of um, tailored your education and how, how important she was to that education. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 53208 is one of the, it's probably one of the worst area codes um, financially in um, all of Milwaukee. Um, and so that that was the area code that I, I was raised in. My, my father was deported when I was three. Um, so I grew up in a single family household with uh, my mom, really just kind of holding it down. Um, and my father, I didn't see my father again until I was about 16. Um, that was the first time I had seen him. Um, at that point. And uh, I think that just growing up, um, being in the area code that I was in um, and just being in the neighborhood that I was and I think that my mom really stressed uh, education and the importance of education, along with my father, actually, too. Um, so I went to university school to start off my education. Um, from there, when my dad was deported, um, I ended up at Woodland School, uh, which was a smaller private school um, on the south side, right across from the Allen Bradley clock. Going into high school, I went to Marquette University High School. Um, that was a school that, um, to be honest, wasn't my first choice. Uh, I actually wanted to go to King. Um, and I think that a lot of that was just based off of the fact that I felt like King would have been not only more diverse, but it had girls, you know what I mean? And I, <laughs> I never went to an all boys school or single sex school, which was completely different and wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, but my mom, you know, you talked about focusing on education. Um, that's really where that focus really um, kind of started, where you really had, she really had to, um, and especially being a single parent, you know, she really wanted to keep me away from any sort of influences that would take me off the path of the best that I could do. And I'm not saying that you know, I couldn't have been my best at any other school, but that's what she felt was the best for me um, based off of our situation at that point in time. Could you talk about like how you are or how that time period was without your dad and like how that like kind of influenced who you are today? Yeah, I think that, you know, growing up, um, not having my, my dad in the house, I had a relationship with him. Um, being in Nigeria, a lot of a lot of my early youth, uh, my relationship mostly was on the phone. Uh, he would have to buy phone cards. I would have to buy phone cards, stuff like that. And then we could call each other using that phone card. Um, and I think that that kind of exposed me to some of the challenges in communication um, at an early time. And I think that that's also part of the reason why computers became more relevant, uh, because I kind of you know, I was always interested in like, how do I make a free phone call? How can I hack my phone to make a free phone call or something like that? You know what I mean? But also, too, uh, I think that it just influenced me in a way in which um, my relationship with my mom uh, was uh, I just had to respect her a lot more um, and respect a lot of the things that she was saying um, because she had she had the vision that she ultimately wanted for me um, and nobody else, you know, who else is going to look out? You know, everybody doesn't have this luxury, but I had the luxury where I knew my mom was looking out for my best interests. Um, and so having that, um, I think that that kind of made our relationship tighter. And I think that in making our relationship tighter, 
I learned a lot of things as it relates to just life skills. Um, mm-hmm. She she was able to help me. She was one of she's my influence in gardening. Um, she's my influence in learning how to grow food because she was a teacher, um, and 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 or, or she was a, a teacher's assistant. And growing up, you know, she didn't. They didn't have income in the summer. So how how were you how were you going to survive? You know what I'm saying? There's three three four months where you really don't have no income, and so. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of grew up with my mom having a couple jobs and one of the ways in which we used to make sure that we knew we could eat is we grew our own food. Crazy. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that was one of the things that I can say, like, um, you know, you talked about discipline and stuff like that. That's, that's where a lot, I think a lot of that comes from is just understanding like, you know, this is my, this is my home situation. This is the life that I have to live. In order to get to the places that I'm trying to get, I gotta stay focused on what's the end goal. What's the what's the what are my what are we here to achieve? Both of my parents had moved to three, had been in, had lived in at least two other countries other than their home countries by the time they were 21. Mm-hmm. I was like, they made some real sacrifices. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I was always understood that I need to be able to. I need to be able to be there for my family abroad and here, you know what I'm saying? So like for that, I think that that's really just what kept me motivated. That's what really influenced the way that I am and and doing the things that I am is because I always knew the sacrifices that my parents made to make it to America. Um, That was the goal. That was the dream. So when you were, when you were growing up, did you have a sense of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Like what did you write down in third or fourth grade? I'm just curious. Um, I think I did. Um, but at that, at that time, you know, I think, I think all of us kind of waver in how we view what we want to do, right? One day you want to be a firefighter. The next day you want to be a a athlete, you know, Mm -hmm. the next day you want to, so I, I, I think one of the things that I, I remember, I wanted to be a paleontologist, uh, but that that's super random, but Bro, I think I, <laughs> I, I know. I Bro, know. isn't that a diet? No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not like it. My, my mind went straight to Jurassic Park. Is that, that is that that's, closer? That's yeah. exactly reason. That's the reason why actually. It's because of Jurassic Park. So like, you know, for some reason, I had I had friends uh, around me at that time that were super interested in dinosaurs and stuff like that, and. Um, so I, I distinctively remember that that was like, oh yeah, that'd be cool to, to, to find dinosaurs or something. Um, but I think that that evolved pretty quickly. Um, when I realized how boring I thought it, I thought it was at least. Um, so I think what really kind of sparked my interest or what really, uh, kind of led me to that particular path was, um, when I was, when I was young, uh, fairly young. Um, I would break a lot of stuff in terms of like trying to figure out how they work. Um, so I, I would always break stuff and then open it up and then look at like the different circuit boards and different wires and batteries and stuff like yeah. that. Um, I know we all had Nintendos and Super Nintendos and Sega Genesis where you had to blow into the cartridge. And when you blew into the cartridge, all of a sudden now the game works now again. And it's like, why is it like that? What are, you know. And so that always kind of sparked my curiosity. Um, and then, too, uh, when I was I also was a fairly young age, my mom, I remember she had brought home a, a one of those desktop Macs. Um, I think I was like four or five. 
Um, and I was always on it. I mean, always. Even even as I got a little bit older, I was always playing uh, certain games that you know would help me, you know, learn maps or learn the geography or learn words or whatever the case was. So I was I was always on a computer. So I think that like I had that mindset. Um, uh, another another memory I had actually is. I remember when you stay home, obviously you get to watch different daytime TV. And one of the daytime TV shows uh, we used to watch at my house was The Price is Right. Um, and in watching The Price is Right, one of the commercials that always used to come on was this like 1-800-INVENT-HELP or INVENT-NOW um, commercial. <laughs> and for some reason, I, I, I remember seeing that and I always used to be like, man, I want to call that number and say that I have an idea or something like that. And so... Um, for some reason that always stuck with me and 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 breaking things and stuff like that that always kind of stuck with me but there was a stem program at the milwaukee school of engineering um that my mom enrolled me in when i was maybe in fifth fourth or fifth grade um and i went there and it was what it was was really just an exposure to to science um and exposure to um chemistry exposure to computers and exposure to mechanicals I think that that's really what kind of fostered the engineer mentality that I kind of had um, and, and why I wanted to be engineers, because I was exposed to some of those things kind of early. Um, and not saying that that was the end all be all, but that's something that's piqued my interest. And I was like, I like that. One, I think you growing up on the north side around the hood, around like all of these, I don't know, sketchy situations and then going to private school like you're literally the, you know, the the board that all of the private schools would be like, oh yeah, we're giving back. We're doing all this shit. But it, I think that's what kept you humble, right? Like that's what kept you honest. Cause I think a lot of times you could go to these private schools and kind of forget your identity, right? Like, or forget that, like, you know, Hey, Hey, although I come from, you know, this background, I've been afforded this, this opportunity. So I need to make the most out of it. And I think it's always interesting to hear stories like this because it's, is is crazy like how how far you can elevate you know and how, and what you can do if, if given the opportunity absolutely humility is a key cornerstone man i think that that's one thing that we all have in some sense that has kind of driven us to where we're at um and that's something that you know that's part of my character is i, I try to i try to show that i'm humble i try to show that you know i don't really i don't think i'm better than anybody i don't think that you know anything that i'm doing is extra special um, I just think that, you know, I work hard um, and the results of that hard work are whatever they are at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So you, you you mentioned that, you know, early on as you were growing up, you did start to um, have an interest in STEM and, and things like that. And that you, you know, you attended an MSOE camp. And so I guess I'm wondering, how did you end up landing on Marquette University for college? Uh, why not MSOE? Why not MIT? Why not some of the, the HBCUs that are known for engineering? Just talk to us a little bit about your, your college uh, decision. Yeah, so part of my college decision, one of the things that was I kind of wanted to stay local, um, more so just because I saw that, you know, the prices of college, um, not only the price of college, but just like out-of-state tuition, we all, we all know what that looks like. Um, but then not only out-of-state tuition, but like, how do I get back home? I don't have a job. You know, at that point, in most of my job experience had just been internships. Um, I had a few internships that I got um, through a summer program that I had been attached to in Oshkosh. Um, but 
you know, outside of that, I didn't really have like job experience. I didn't, hadn't worked really anywhere, you know, except for in corporate America to some degree. Um, so like for me, all I was thinking about is how do I, you know, still maintain a, a healthy lifestyle, but then also accomplish the goals that I want to accomplish. Um, so I was looking at Madison. I was looking at um, UWM. I looked at Marquette. I looked at Minnesota. Um, I looked at Purdue. Um, and I think I looked, I think that that was it. Um, but the reason I ended up choosing Marquette was be mostly because I got into Minnesota. I got into Madison. I got into, um, I didn't get into, or actually I didn't even apply to Purdue. Um, but I, I got into UWM and MSOE, I was on the border. I was on like on the fence. Um, and so I think that the main choice and reason why I ended up going to Marquette is because uh, Minnesota said, well, we're, we accept you, but we're going to put you in a business school um, when, you know, you have to apply what school you kind of want to be in. Mm -hmm. They said we're going to put you in a business school. And Marquette said you're in, but we're going to put you in an engineering school. And for me, that was the that was the decision right there. Bro, that's that's crazy because mine was just that D Wade went there, and then I went I went to the school. I went to the ELP with uh, Brandon and all of them, and I met all of y'all. And I was like, they look like some good dudes to be around. And that was that was it. Like I, I was I, I am a political science major because Randy Fisher was a poli sci major. Yeah. That's the only reason. Hey, well, no, that's no other reason. But that's a dope story, bro. Like yeah. to me, I, I look at I hear your story, bro, and I hear that, and I'm like, it's amazing the influence that your friends can have on you. You and you know, growing up, my mom always would say, like, you are a product, you are who your friends are. You know what I'm saying? Your, whoever's your circle, that's who you are. And that's to a certain extent true. You know, how was how was your time at Marquette in general? I know I I have a lot of stories that we could talk about. What in general, what did you think about your time at Marquette? Man, I thought it was different. Um, not going to a football school definitely was one of the things that I felt like, damn, like I'm missing out, man. Like, you know, the tailgating and just the whole atmosphere of like a, what a football school could bring. That was one thing. But I think that having such a good basketball team that, you know, I wouldn't say made up for it, but it, 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 gave, it also afforded a different opportunity, too. Um, and had a greater appreciation for basketball um, after in, in just college basketball in general after that. Um, but I think that one of the things if I had to, you know, be critical about my college experience, um, especially being in the College of Engineering, um, I think that there is a lack of diversity um, educationally in my field. Um, and I remember m almost every class that I was in, I was if not the only black person, I was one of two. You know what I'm saying? And that was one of the things that I think that I wouldn't say hurt or like, because I don't, I don't think that those things necessarily have to have a direct effect. But I think you notice those things and it has it plays on your psyche in a certain sense. Um, especially when you're not seeing people like you, you can't relate to really, you know, kind of like I remember I said earlier, one of the things about you, Tone, is that we came from the same place and I was able to gravitate to you just based off of that. You know what I'm saying? And that's something that I didn't have when I was going to Marquette, when we were in, 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 in at Marquette. It was it really was a struggle because 
you know, in certain in certain situations and, and even in EOP, I remember um, someone told me like I, I was telling them that I was struggling with one of my higher level engineering classes. And because we didn't have anybody that was available to help assist or anything like that, they literally just told me, like, change your major. And I was like, that's, I don't think that that's the solution. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think just because there's no resource that that's now what I need to do. I just think that you you can't provide what I need. So let me move around and do network with people who do. And sometimes that might be somebody that you can't relate to. But, I, you know, we talked about humility a little bit earlier. That's something that I, I really had to learn because I'm one of those people that I feel like, yeah, I can do it by myself. I can do it. I can do this by myself or I can figure it out on my own. But I really had to figure out how to get out of my own way and really realize, like, this professor is here to help you. All these other people, all these some of these other kids, they having the same problem, if not worse than you are. You know what I'm saying? So the School of Engineering is one of those schools that um, is not for the faint of heart. And so I, I remember so many times when I would be sitting next to someone and they would say, yeah, I'm in the School of Engineering. And then a few weeks later, they were like, yeah, I'm in the School of Com. Like, like what were what were just like, just talk to us about some of the adversity that you had to face being in the School of Engineering. It's different. I, I don't really know how to explain it. Like it, it's building blocks. And I think once you miss, that's the one thing I think about math is like it builds on each other. Um, and once you kind of miss something, you're kind of you're going to lose the ability to really interpret certain things. So like that was one thing that, you know, I think if, if you miss a class in Calc 1, you know, even one class like and you don't understand something and you didn't go back to understand it. Like you could be doomed for the next three sections or three concepts because they all build on top of each other. And I think that that goes for all of math, like addition and subtraction builds into multiplication and division because concepts are related. And the same thing goes for 3D shapes, differential equations and stuff like that. Like all all of the concepts you learn, they're building blocks. And if you don't if you don't understand the concept and I think that that's really what engineering is, is learning a concept and being able to apply the concept. And if you don't learn, if you don't learn the concept and the application, then it's kind of hard to really get past it and go to the next step, really, in, in math. So there's definitely times where I was challenged with that, um, where I maybe missed a class or was sick or whatever the case was. And, um, you know, you got to learn it. And there's a lot of self-learning, a lot of a lot of that. That's that's the key I know that's a key thing in in, in being in, in law school, and that's equally just probably as as key in engineering too. Is you got to you got to self teach because you're only going to learn concepts, um, but you got to teach yourself how to do it. You know what I mean? So, talk about like what kinds of like what kind of engineer you are today, and like what kind of engineers exist. Because I think a lot of times I don't know, right? Like we had this one dude named Hood. I used to play at uh, play at the wreck and he was an electrical engineer and I didn't even know that was a thing. So talk about like what what your career is now. Yeah. So engineering as a profession is so interesting and it's extremely broad. Um, engineering in general is like it's basically the discipline or study of people who want to invent um, and design different things. Um, and that's as 
you know, simple as I can put it. And, and the reason why is because things could be anything. Um, there's manufacturing engineering, there's biomedical engineering, there's biocomputing engineering, there's computer engineering, there's mechanical engineering, there's electrical engineering, there's, you know, a wide breadth of engineering that you can ultimately um, address and, uh, and how they address things in the world. Um, so, you know, all of with all of these different, you know, disciplines, I think that we, the cool thing about engineering is we work together to solve problems. Um, usually problems that are in the world and of the world. Um, so think of your biggest dam, think of your computer, think of your microphone, think of the package that you open, um, you know, think of the cane that, you know, your, your grandma might be using, or, you know, think about our COVID vaccines. You know what I mean? Think about um, 3D printing. You know, there's so many different applications of engineering in the world and how the, the world is kind of, I wouldn't say runs around engineering, but how engineers are ultimately able to influence the world that we're, we're in. So, there's every there's different disciplines in engineering. Um, I'm a computer engineer specifically, um, and more of a software applications engineer. Uh, I actually, in my journey, um, thought that I would be a hardware engineer, um, and that's actually where I gravitated more towards um, because I, I I was still in that like one of the things about engineering is it's very theoretical in nature. So in that sense, you're always reading theory about things, especially at Marquette. Um, so like what I mean by that is, for example, digital, digital signal processing is one of the courses that you take um, in computer engineering as a hardware engineer. And the applications to that, for example, is the microphone that we're using, how it takes the signal and transposes that into something that you can ultimately hear and use. That's something that was beyond <laughs> anything that I have ever encountered in terms of coursework, in terms of the level of math that you have to, to encounter, in terms of just engineering in general. Um, that is one of the reasons why I ended up being a software engineer, <laughs> because it just was it was super interesting, but it was just something that you really had to understand, know, and dissect. And that's something that I just struggled doing, honestly. Um, so that's how I ended up going into more of the software side because there's things that there's things that I encountered that I have never knew existed, never thought existed, would have never known existed unless I took the class. Um, and, and that's just the reality of engineering sometimes. Um, but as it relates to like, how do you land on, um, you know, how, or how did I know, or how do you land on some of the different engineering disciplines? Um, I think that, uh, you know, as it relates to your level of math, that's one thing that'll help you decide. And then how scientific in one area or another you want to be. So for me, for example, like I said, hardware, you know, there was a level of math that I just did not really grasp and apply. Whereas in software, I felt like I didn't have to do some of those things. And it just was a little bit more natural to my experiences. If you were to sell being a uh, 
engineers to someone, what I guess how would how would you make it uh, relatable or or more attractive to the to the young professional that's like thinking of a career change or the young kid growing up, the younger Olufemi? What would you say to him or her to 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 get get them into engineering? I would say if you want to join a profession where you're ultimately solving the next problem that nobody's thought of, nobody's been able to actually change. Um, this profession is for you. If you are strong in the STEM fields, math or science, this profession is for you. Uh, ultimately, uh, you're going to use your critical thinking. You're always going to continue learning um, and you're going to you're going to work hard and make a lot of money. I, I need you to I need you to go deeper or just on on engineering. Right. Like because I went to I don't know if I was with you or one of our friends, Velvet. I was with somebody and I went to an engineering I don't know if it's a senior design presentation. I went to something and you guys were doing all kind of incredible stuff, like making prosthetics, making robot dogs, making all kinds of stuff. Can you just nerd out a bit and talk about all the cool stuff you can do if you become an engineer? Man. Oh man. Um, you know, you go into your, you go into your office, you have a badge. Somebody can see that this is who you and verify. This is who, Larry Whitley or um, Tone Gaines is. Um, you go to your desk, your lights automatically turned on. Um, but as you're leaving, the lights automatically turned off. You know what I'm saying? They set the temperature to a certain level. It's all those different things and that and, and, and related to the controls of those things um, that we uh, at Johnson Controls would work on. You know, I saw people working on prosthetics. Um, I saw people uh, for their senior design projects, they were working with someone that needed to learn how to walk um, and they created a prosthetic form, but then they also created like a, a, a it was almost like a scooter in a sense um, that was motorized. Um, they created to fit their specific needs. Um, so, you know, I think sen senior design is one of those things where we really saw like the student creativity come about where we were either assigned a project from a company or you can create your own project and solve a problem for somebody. I had a course where, and, and this is actually when I was living with you, Tone, uh, where we were able to uh, work with a team of folks uh, to create a robot. Um, and with that robot, we ended up uh, creating an app as well to help um, you know make it move uh, forward, backwards, uh, sideways. Um, and a part of that um, process as well um, is we learned how to control uh, sound sensors. So we use sound sensors to um, dictate when uh, it has like drop detection. So like if you were or cliff cliff detection. So if you're on a on a cliff, uh, you use the sound sen sensors to determine like how far um, the drop was. And if you were at a certain level, um, that's when you stop the wheels. Um, or we learned. Um, uh, we also learned how to implement GPS. Um, so that was something that was pretty cool and how to like use it, how to tell a, a robot or a car um, to utilize the GPS coordinates that you provide to go to one specific place. Um, and you can use Google Maps or something like that to kind of direct it to that specific place. Um, so that was a cool project. Um, you learn about propellers and how to control propellers. You learn about um, uh, one of the things I thought was kind of cool, I had a professor uh, who 
and, and again, these are just things that people think about just trying. Um, I had a professor that basically would take a signal from an animal and he was working with a team of folks that they would take signals from different animals and process those signals from the animal. So like a dog, a dog barking, a crow crowing, um, and taking those uh, and, and interpreting what those signals may be in a sense, like like Doctor Doolittle, kind of. Uh, <laughs> to be to, to be honest, kind of for real. Basically, Doctor Doolittle. Bro. So you were speaking to dogs and crows. <laughs> no, we were speaking to <laughs> just just recorded, just recorded. <laughs> Yo, walking past Femi, yelling at a dog, barking. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm looking at a website right now that says um, of the nearly 1.7 million prime age engineering workers, um, only 14% were either black or Latinx. So can you just talk about what it means to be uh, a black engineer? It's a title that I, I, I think I hold probably, but also it's something that um, I strive to continuously work on as it relates to just education and and really fostering um, our youth to have, um, you know, and, and embrace math and science um, and understand the opportunities in math and science. I think that that's something that I, I really take from that is like, you know, I, I really dedicated my, my life to, you know, understanding math and understanding how applied math affects people in the world. Um, that percentage that you gave of 14%, that that is very relevant to everything that I'm seeing today. Companies, um, technology companies specifically, I think are kind of spearheading this more diverse workplace, more flexible workplace. Um, and I think that as you see that, you're seeing a lot more diversity in a lot of uh, a lot of corporate America in general. Granted, obviously that percentage is pretty low, um, and I think that that reflects. Um, also what you're seeing in, in the school systems. But, you know, for me, how, you know, what, how do I hold that? You know, I think that that gives me a voice in my workplace because I remember shortly before the George Floyd, uh, the whole George Floyd conversation um, even became relevant and that event happened. Um, I remember sitting with our CEO. Uh, I didn't even know he was in the room, but I remember we had a, a, a meeting and uh, with our, uh, what we call our, you know, uh, multicultural group, but it, it was really a, a group of folks that we kind of started, um, you know, this group of folks or employees where we ultimately were trying to discuss different initiatives and ways in which we can kind of expand upon what we're doing um, within our, our community. And so um, uh, in doing that, you know, I think that we were talking with the CEO of the company and he asked us um, in, in the room, uh, you know, have things progressed um, and having that voice, you know, a lot of people in the room at that time had said that uh, we thought that, um, you know, we've made some small steps. We've been able to progress in certain ways. And I remember saying at that time, I don't think we've really have progressed. Things maybe have changed and how, you know, maybe we're not hanging people, but now we're, we're just, people are just being shot by the police and George Floyd happened. And I think that ever since, you know, I wouldn't say that specific comment, but I think that since this whole thing has happened as it relates to, you know, being uh, more conscious of what, it, who you're around, what you're around and the type of um, 
quality of people that you have in your workplace. I think that all of these companies are, I wouldn't say all, but a lot of these companies are are stepping up to the plate and understanding that diversity and diverse thought is important to the success of not only your company, but everybody else's mentality as well. Um, and so I think that for me being a black engineer, I, I can show and bring that integrity to my workplace so that they can see that it's okay. Y'all don't have to be scared of us and, and by any means. We're, we go work just as hard, if not harder than some of the people that you have here. You know what I mean? So I feel like that that's my role that in the in the profession is to show like, hey, I'm smart, too. Uh, I, I, I got a brain, too, that can do the same work, if not better. No, I think I think that's great. And I think, you know, one of the questions I had is just how important is it to have black uh, engineers in the room? And I think you being able to sit with, uh, you know, the CEO and kind of give that statement, like, where does that uh, some would say that that was courageous, right? For you, I would imagine it's just like, nah, this is just what I think. What made you want to say a statement like that to the CEO at that moment? I think that for me, it was just being real um, and and not compromising my integrity, not compromising what I really thought at that point in time. I think that is easy to say, um, you know, yeah, things are great and things are progressing. But I think that we all have a responsibility. You, Tone, Larry, we all have a responsibility to really give them a different perspective. And I think that that's what diversity offers. A lot of these corporations is a different perspective than what they're used to hearing. Let's say I'm a junior in high school. Um, I'm strong in math and science, and I'm starting to uh, explore career potentially in engineering. Uh, As concise as possible, can you just give me the playbook on what you would do at that point in time to get to where you are now. Uh, what what classes should I be taking moving forward? What college should I be looking to go to? What kind of company should I be looking to work for? Uh, just just give me the, the, the advice that you would give to 16-year-old Femi. As you're going to school, um, I think that, uh, you know, um, especially as it relates to math courses, um, if you can take advanced math courses early, I would do that. Um, I think that depending upon what type of engineering you want to be. So like if you want to be a chemical engineer, build up your chemistry skills, um, cook more, um, do do things that are related to just mixing and playing with different chemicals and different mixtures of different um, herbs and spices and all those types of things. Um, computers, you know, I would say build a computer, you know, dive off the deep end and actually just do it instead of holding yourself back. Because I, again, I think engineering is all about the practice and understanding of how to do things. And the earlier you're exposed to the how, the more you can sort of introduce change and solve different problems because you're introduced to the how early and often. Um, again, as you're kind of going into college and picking it at your college, I think pick the college that suits your number one, your preference of engineering because every college has different specialties, obviously. And I think that if you're gonna go to a school that's known for something, go to the school that's known for the type of engineering. Cause I could have, I think that, you know, Madison is known for, um, 
maybe mechanical engineering or something, but it's a different type of engineering than, than maybe MSOE is known for. So be deliberate about choosing the school that you want to go to, because I think that that's going to affect how you learn. And it's not even necessarily about what they're known for, but their learning style too. If you can kind of find out more about, you know, are you going to have more applied work? I think um, one of the things that Marquette does is a co-op. So if you, uh, if you're, I think that again, exposing yourself to opportunities early and often is key. So a co-op or some sort of internship program, I think is important as you're diving into your college studies, because not only do you get that real work experience that gives you that exposure, not only builds your resume, but you also get the opportunity to make money and understand like this is how you ultimately use what you're doing in your classwork in real life. And I think that, again, that's the with any field, not only engineering, but specifically, especially in engineering, it's important, I think. I don't want to downplay your success, right? Like, like I said, like you're a black engineer at, at a really good company and you, you lived in Berryland growing up and you said your father got deported when you were three. Just like, what does it all mean to you? Like where you're at? Like we know that you just spent 21 days in Barbados. Like you were able to take your, take your, your mom there and her friends. Like what, what does it all mean to you? Like all the success that you've achieved so far? Um, it just, to me, it just, uh, is a testament that tomorrow is never promised and to love thy neighbor as you love yourself. Um, I think that I've had a lot of help along the way. Um, people that have loved me, have been praying for me. Um, people that have looked out for me. Um, I can only, uh, my success is the success of everybody around me. Honestly. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, I, like you said, you know, I, I have to own the success and I have to own, you know, the some of the things that I've been through as as I am. But like, I really, I really don't like look at it as I'm in it by myself because I feel like I've had so much help um, getting there. I've, I feel like that um, not every day has been a good day, but, you know, there's so many different things that have um, influenced me to be where I am. I've had good mentors. Um, I've had crazy opportunities to do certain things and working in different opportunities early in my life. Um, so I think that, you know, the success of, of me is a success of those, of those who have helped me to get there. So we, we got a few more questions. Um, and then we can close out. Uh, what's some of the best advice you've ever received? <laughs> Would be you pay for what you don't know. Um, I think that that one is is something I learned from a mentor of mine. And that just really explained like literally just learning and understanding life. Life is a, is a learning experience. Um, the things, the more knowledge that you can accumulate is the more you don't have to give your money up ultimately, you know, um, as it relates to cooking or as it relates to fixing your car or it relates to doing your own taxes or it relates to any of those things like those are all skills. Those are all things that people do as careers. And the more knowledge you're able to accumulate a lot over over time, um, that's something that, um, you know, you'll save yourself money. Uh, what's the worst advice you received? Change your major. <laughs> <laughs>